0: Welcome, writers, rebels, and rhymesters. It's time to grab your umbrella, slide on your sunnies, and sip your avocado latte.
1: Hello, scribes and scribblers. This is the Melbourne Pen Show edition of the Nib Section podcast. Before I introduce myself, I'm going to introduce my lovely co hosts, Melbourne natives.
2: Melburnian.
1: Melburnians, these two lovely Melburnians. You'll have heard them on the pod before. Please introduce yourselves.
2: Uh, well, I'm actually going to ask Mel three questions so that Mel can introduce herself.
0: <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, my name's Mel, and Ali is going to ask me three questions. The first one is
2: Vintage or modern pen?
0: Modern all the way. I'm a Vanishing Point fan of maybe 12 months, um, although wouldn't say no to a vintage faceted if I could pick one up today. Question number two.
2: What's your most recent fountain pen?
0: Uh, about 10 minutes ago, I picked up a brand new uh, Vanishing Point mat with the rhodium trim and my first Vanishing Point stub nib. Question number three.
2: Question number three. Is the body or the nib most important when you're choosing a fountain pen?
0: Considering the last four fountain pens I've bought were vanishing points, I'd have to say it's both. Um, (laughs) The nibs on on the vanishing points are fine and smooth and with that slight little bit of bounce that you get from their lovely gold nibs. And as it has been pointed out to me, I don't like caps. So, the the clickety function, as we like to call it down here in Melbourne, really suits me very well.
2: The clickety function, yes, I love that. So, I'm Ali, Ali Dawes, I'm also a Melburnian. I've, what, I recorded a little section about the Sydney pen show, because Mel and I both made the trek from Melbourne to Sydney for the Sydney pen show. So, you probably have heard my voice, and now Mel, did you want to ask me three fountain pen questions?
0: Absolutely. Vintage or modern?
2: I only have modern, unless you count my first fountain pen, which is now old enough to be vintage, but which I bought new.
0: But how old is it?
2: (laughs) Well, I think it's 22 years old now.
1: I don't know if that's classed as vintage, but... (laughs) It's old enough to have kids of its own. (laughs) Oh, but only
0: if you really, you know. Question number two. Flex, stub or neither?
2: Oh, that's actually an excellent question. I would have started with stub because my first fountain pen experience was the El Cheapo calligraphy set that had effectively stub nibs. Um, and so when I started buying fountain pens, again, as a hobby, I went for stubs. And then I discovered Flex and that, in fact, I I like it better. And so now I would say Flex. I still have more stubs just because they're cheaper.
0: And the last one, pen body or nib, most important?
2: For me, I'd say nib, actually, in that I've often bought, like my Sailor King of Pen is the cheapest Sailor King of Pen that you can get, just a standard body, which is black resin. Um, And there are many, many more beautiful ones, but what I wanted was the nib because they all write the same, whether you've got the ebonite body or not. So I more often choose the pen based on the nib and then get a pretty bland body, to be honest.
1: Awesome. Thanks. Listeners, you've had the crash course on Ali and Mel. Today, they'll be talking to vendors and attendees and organisers at the Melbourne Pen Show. Today is Sunday, the 25th of November. The Melbourne Pen Show, to give you some background, is an annual event that's been going on, I think, for over 20 years now. This might be the 20th or the 21st anniversary. It's held every year at the Malvern Town Hall in November. November's a good time to visit Melbourne, even though it's raining. It's um, a very sprightly 20 degrees outside. This is my first trip to Melbourne in about 10 years, so it's a pretty good showing.
2: I can give you a little bit more background about the pen show. Um, It started out as a vendor-run show, apparently. So it was a bunch of the big manufacturers and vendors who got together and started having the pen show. And a few years ago, they withdrew support or withdrew official support. And the pen community was, um, well, yeah, the Melbourne Pen Group, essentially, who meet every second month at the Tower Hotel in Hawthorne. Um, It's the first Monday of every second month, I think, from memory. So if you are in Melbourne, pop along. But they they, uh, got together and said, well, we don't want to see this pen show disappear. And so they formed an organising committee and they've been running it ever since as an independent pen show. So there you go. The the community rules. Mm -hmm.
1: The community is amazing. Speaking as someone from Sydney who just held our own community-run fountain pen show this year... It's incredible to see very broad segments of um, yeah. fans, Absolutely. young and old vendors, collectors, vintage and modern. Would you mind talking a little bit about your history with the show? Is this your first show? Let's start with Mel. So this is my second show. Last year was
0: my first. Last year I wandered in and just wandered around. I'd been in fountain pens for maybe six months. I had a Lamy um, safari. Uh, the petrol which was my first pen and I just returned from Singapore with my very first vanishing point do you still have that Lamy petrol or did you get too annoyed with the cap I got too annoyed with the cap it's gone (laughs) (laughs) Um, and the grip I didn't like the grip and uh, the Lamy nib for me just um, I suppose because it was a steel nib it wasn't quite soft enough for me so finding that my first vanishing point in Singapore was it was a game changer and a revelation for me with the nib situation This year is my second year. I've taken on more of a, um, I suppose, helping role. I'm not a part of the official committee and I'm not a part of the Melbourne Pen Group per se, um, but I have been helping out with social media, just trying to drum up a bit more interest, sort of focusing on firing up the Instagram and the Facebook, just that bit more for this year's show.
1: And how about you, Ali? Uh,
2: This is my second show as well. I came last year and funnily enough, there was a picture floating around on Instagram that Mel and I were both in, though we had not met at that point. I wasn't sure when I went to the show what I was going to see, but I'd been seeing all these photographs that people put on Instagram from the American pen show circuit and thought, wow, that will be amazing, and we have one here, I'll check it out. And it's, it's every bit as good as you hope it would be, really. My history with the pen group, I suppose, is... I found out about the Melbourne Pen Group on um, Reddit, I think it was, which led me through the rabbit hole to the Fountain Pen Network, where they said when they meet. And the last post was probably two years old. And so I posted and said, do you guys still meet? And they said, yeah. And I work five minutes from the Tower Hotel. So I kept thinking, well, I'll go and I'll go to one of these things. And somehow it just never actually seemed to come about so it took me nearly a year before I made it to one and by that stage I'd already been to the um, pen show and I'd already met quite a few of the people but Melbourne's got an interesting pen community in that it's two groups there's the pen group which is the mostly vintage and older people that have been going to the shows for 20 years and then there's the Facebook so the FPO group And a few people like Nicholas Gold, who's a friend of the pod, who straddles both worlds. But um, yeah, and Sylvana's another who straddles both worlds, Costa. Mel actually took the the initiative and started organising the monthly FPO and FPA um, meetups. And we've moved around a couple of times, but generally we get together once a month on a weekend and take over a food court or something. and uh, just cause inky mayhem basically everywhere. And we're actually getting to the point now where we need to find a bigger place to have the, the monthly meetup.
1: That sounds amazing, Mel. Where would a listener go to find out where the monthly Melbourne pen meets are being held?
0: Yeah, sure. You can um, just jump onto the Fountain Pens Oceania um, Facebook group and I post an event in there every month. Um, Obviously not this month because we're all at the Melbourne Pen Show today. And I also try to update the meet details in the FPO Discord. Um, so if you're not on Facebook, you can head on over to our Discord um, and join in the fun over there and keep up to date that way. There's also people that are not on either. And if you follow me on Instagram, I am the fine nib chick on Instagram. Um, I can just DM you the details
1: monthly as they come about. Are the details also up in Fountain Pens Australia? Yes, they are.
2: So what I was thinking we might do for uh, the rest of the pen show is, because it's only just started and we've done our first lap, um, made our first purchases, i picked up a couple of notebooks that I'd already ordered from my Hardy Timber box and um, Mel, I notice you've already picked up a pen.
1: Oh, I have a question actually for you both. What are you hoping to get out of today's pen show? Let's start with you, Ali.
2: For me, it's actually more about all of the people. Last time I didn't know that many people um, and so when I bumped into the two people that I did know we had a good chat and that was lovely whereas now because of Mel's hard work as much as anything uh, I know many many people and it seems like everywhere I go I'm seeing people that I know that I can catch up with and that's that's a huge part of it because not feeling like you're the weird guy in the corner with the pens is a good feeling compared to you know day-to-day where you are the weird guy in the
1: corner Mm -hmm. with the pens how about you Mel what are you looking forward to today Yeah, I'm looking forward to to
0: catching up with everybody. As I said, it's probably our monthly pen meet and and the pen show rolled into one. I'm also looking forward to catching up from the guys from Sydney who we um, met when we went down for the first Sydney pen show. Um, Mark and Sophia will be here, I believe, and Tav and Ange are down with Angela's table. It's just a great opportunity for everybody to catch up. I walked in the door and instantly knew three people, whereas last year I walked in the door and knew nobody. So yeah, it's it's become more of a tight knit group, I think, and and we all actually enjoy each other's company, which is rare, I think. We each have something different to give. Uh, there's there's Omas, there's Visconti, there's Vintage, there's Modern, there's me, the Vanishing Point nutjob, there's. Um, Nicholas with all of his OMAS that nobody will ever see again and if anybody's ever down in Melbourne uh, on the last weekend of the month we always meet on the last weekend of each month whether it be a Saturday or a Sunday, come and join us We, um, we meet in a public place we're pretty relaxed, we bring ink we bring vials, we bring syringes, we share everything so yeah everybody's welcome
1: have you ever had the experience where passers by are wandering around the food court and they see you guys, you know, perched around these tables with your bottles of ink and your pens all spread out and they wonder what is going on? And you just have random passers by coming up to you and saying, What is happening? Is this a fountain pen? How do I get involved? We've never had anybody be so
0: bold as to ask us. I find it to be the older members of families that that sort of come up and have a bit of a look and you get a few raised eyebrows and, and we all kind of look at each other and think, oh, we should probably go and say something and say, hey, do you want to try something? But it's never quite happened yet. One day, maybe.
2: I've seen people look and look very curious and then kind of back away slowly. <laughs> like, no sudden movements, don't make eye contact. But, yeah, it does look... A little disturbing when you see all the syringes out on the table. And, uh, preface that with ink, syringes. Ink, ink, syringes, <laughs> ink syringes.
0: Unfortunately, we are outgrowing the space, and I'm going to have to do some research over the Christmas/New Year period to to see where
1: we can move into um, next year. If
0: anyone's got any suggestions, feel free to let me know.
1: Yeah, any suggestions for um, a public meeting space with around 20, 25 people, oh, sometimes 30 people. <laughs> Uh, With pens and ink syringes, nothing dangerous, ink syringes are blunt, Um, but if you know of a place in Melbourne, um, message Mel, she is at the fine nib chick, the underscore fine underscore nib underscore chick on Instagram. Do you want to tell us what you're writing with today before we head on into the interviews? Sure,
0: I am writing with my... um Pilot Vanishing Point, limited edition, 2014 Copper, um, one of my more recent purchases. I've swapped the nib out. It came with a medium. It's got an extra fine in it now for riding in my
1: Hobonichi. Good stuff. That's me doing my best Chuck impression.
2: (laughs) And I've got a question, though. I want to know what ink is in that Copper.
1: It's got Pelican
0: 4001 Blue Black.
2: Okay, I was wondering if it was going to be um, the ochre because that would have fit so nicely, but you gave me the ochre. So <laughs> were you regretting that now?
0: No. no, no, I'm not regretting it. I think because it's for my Hobonichi it needs to be quick-drying and it needs to be sort of semi-permanent and the, the Pelican 4001 Blue Black is sort of kind of known for being sort of a weird hybrid of an iron gall, not one of its advertised features But I think if it's introduced to a tiny bit of water, it does a pretty good job.
2: And I'm writing with my Pilot Custom Arushi with the fine medium nib, which is the finest that it comes with. Very nice. Um, Which it's uh, size thirty in the Pilot scale, which is about a number eight in everybody else's (laughs) scale. And it's just it's just such a beautiful nib to write with. And I really like the size of the pen as well. I wish more pens were that big. And I can see Diana shaking her head. But they call they call these pens a baton when they discuss them. But for me, it's just a good-sized pen. You know, it feels like a it feels solid in your hand.
1: Sharon calls it a baton. <laughs> Fondly, she loves it. It's just too big for her hands. And I'm writing with, I had to go and grab this out of my bag, I have with me an Opus 88 Coloro in the yellow and orange. I got this from Renee at Pen Classics New Zealand. He was kind enough to put this on reserve for me when they were out of stock. And it's got just a stock um, Opus 88 M nib, which I'm hoping to swap it out maybe with something from Frank and Christoph, one of their uh, number five nibs, with a more interesting grind by... Um, Mike Matsuyama, but we'll see how that goes. It's something to keep in mind for the future. Maybe I'll find something at the Melbourne Pen Show today. That's what I'll keep my eye out for. So the plan today is Ali, Mel and I, we have three roving mics that will be going around the Pen Show. We'll be interviewing folks at the show today, a range of people, first-timers, veterans of the show, organisers and vendors. Yeah, look out for that.
2: Alastair Dawes here, intrepid reporter for the nib section, Melbourne Pencho edition. I'm standing in the balcony overlooking the Melbourne Pencho at the Malvern Town Hall. It's a great big ballroom. It's got wooden floors and a high ceiling. And already at just a little bit after nine o'clock, uh, the place is bustling. All the tables are up and set up, pens as far as the eye can see, and every table has a small crowd of people around it, and they've only opened the doors 20 minutes ago. So I'm about to enter the hall and find out for myself just what is available today. I'm here with Tom May. I think your official title is pen wizard, is that right? Pen specialist, but pen
3: wizard to friends, yeah
2: the pen specialist uh, at Milligram. Um, I normally see him behind the counter at the Melbourne Central Store or at the um, pen posse meetups. So here we are today at the Melbourne Pen Show and I saw you at the Sydney Pen Show. What would you say is the defining characteristic of the Melbourne Pen Show that sets it apart from Sydney?
3: Vintage. One word, vintage. Like this has some fantastic sellers that have been collecting for who knows how long. The, the stuff you find here, if you like celluloid, if you like hard rubber, is just insane.
2: Insane in a good way.
3: Insane in a good way. I spend far too much money every year.
2: <laughs> well, I'm sure that's um, a problem that you're not alone with. So, what about Sydney? Sydney was a completely different experience to the Melbourne Pen Show. What did you feel as a defining characteristic of Sydney?
3: It, it was really different. It felt, I mean, it's it's the obvious alternative. It felt really modern. I felt I was getting to know a lot of the retailers that I was dealing with online or the distributors that you wouldn't often meet. It was it was fantastic in that regard, but also it was just the community that arrived. It was an entirely new... I feel the crowd in, in Sydney, at least this year, was a lot younger than the Melbourne Pen Show typically is. Whether that was to do with the location or just how new the show is, it was it was a much younger, much more energetic crowd, I found.
2: Yeah, all those handstands and cartwheels and, you know, the... <laughs> Line dancing and all the rest, whereas here it's all aqua aerobics and you know that kind of thing.
3: Yeah, I mean the aqua aerobics. It's kind. Of, it's it's kind of a shame they force you to do that, and it's all very, it's very regimented. But you know, um, it it is good for the soul, and it's it's good for it's good for your. Um, all well, I'm told it calms you down. It calms you down. It keeps the cardiac cardiac arrests at bay.
2: Yeah. Well, we need that in Melbourne. So now you've mentioned modern. You've mentioned vintage. And I happen to know that you have both. If you had to describe yourself as a collector, would you say modern or vintage?
3: I don't really want to say I'm a collector. That's the tricky part, because I don't. I don't think I am. Everything I buy, I, I try and use. And those things that I haven't used, I try and get rid of. Majority would be vintage. Um, Modern pens, I generally don't like the designs of a lot of modern pens. If it's a modern pen that I like, it's something like the 2000, which is modern, but it's 50-plus years old at this point. It doesn't really count. Uh, I do love... If there's, if there's one modern pen or one modern pen family that I love, I can't get enough of modern Japanese pens. Sailor and Pilot in particular, I just think they're fantastic.
2: I agree with you there. Now, here's why I think that you're tipping over into collector category. Tell me a little bit about your vacuumatics.
3: All right. I have five, and yeah, okay, this is a little bit of a collector uh, coming out. I have five vacuumatics. They're all... Uh, the third generation single-jeweled um, because I was pedantic about all, only having single-jeweled third generation. And I've got all five of the main main colours in that striated pearl and they're stunning. I think if I was going to collect one thing, Parker Vacumatics are the way.
2: I, I hate to tell you this, but when we interview you in five or ten years' time, I think you will be saying, well, I've only got 75 Parker Vacumatics, so I'm not sure it constitutes a collection.
3: Maybe. Maybe. I, uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that.
2: So, here we go. Flex nib, stub nib or round nib? Stub. Every day. Stub nib. So, why is that?
3: I like line variation, but I just I don't have the handwriting, I feel, to, sort of, to use a flex nib um, to the best of its, its, its abilities. I just love the look of a stub nib. It's one of the things I fell in love with Parker for. Vintage Parker Vacumatics have fantastically slight, slightly stubbed nibs.
2: So here's an interesting side note to that then. Um, I have been asking people, do they look for the body or a nib when they're selecting a pen? Now, given that you've gone on body styles for the Vacumatics and that you like the stub nibs, what's most important to you? If you're looking at a pen, what's most important to you, the nib or the body?
3: Really depends if I can do something to the nib. If the nib has to be exactly as it is, I can't touch it, I can't get it reground or anything, it'd be the nib. If the nib can be modified, if I can buy a broad nib knowing I can turn it into a, a stub or, or something like that, then it's the body. Because if I don't like what it looks like, I, I won't pick it up. It's why I've, I've put a ban on myself from buying blue pens, because they never get used.
2: I'm the opposite. I've got, of coloured pens, blue is probably the one that I've got the most of. So I think last question then, what would you say is the best part of the Melbourne Pen Show 2018? Ooh,
3: I'd probably say Bernie's Table. If I'm the only person saying this, I, I, I'm surprised. I think Bernie's Table is a treat every single year. I seem to be consistently spending $100 more with him every year. He's got some stunning vintage, vintage pens.
2: Yeah, I know Bernie's an absolute legend, so he's, if, you're, if you like vintage pens and you're in Australia and you haven't been to the Melbourne Pen Show, really, you've got to come here and check out Bernie's Table.
3: Absolutely, 100%.
2: So, thanks, Tom. Thanks for taking the time and enjoy the rest of the show.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you.
4: So, first stop definitely is always Bernie's. So we're going to have a look and see what he's brought out today. Oh my God, look at all the beautiful pens. So of course you've got a lot of vintage
1: Parkers, and it's just covering two tables, three tables. I'm glad I found you guys because I know nothing about vintage. So I don't even know what to say about these pens. Tom is actually the right person to talk to when it comes to vintage. Tom, Tom, come over here.
3: Hey, how you doing?
1: This is Tom May from Melbourne. What am I seeing over here?
3: Uh, You're seeing the most dangerous table at the pen show as far as I'm concerned anyway.
1: There's a lot of vintage Parkers, I think. What else?
3: Vintage Parkers, quite a lot of Conway Stewarts. Uh, just basically celluloid heaven. It's gorgeous. What is that? Uh, that looks like a very early uh, r- red Ebonite Mont Blanc. Holy I've
1: Christ. I've never seen a red Ebonite Mont Blanc. Oh my goodness!
3: No, see, I thought that was a Parker until I saw that. Uh...
1: So did I. It's it's that Parker red color.
3: Okay. Yeah. So there's a uh, golden pearl vacuumatic set that I uh, I want to cry. I want that. I want that set. I want that set so bad.
0: Oh. Hi everyone. Uh, it's Mel here at the Melbourne Pen Show. Um, and this is my first interview of the day. Would you mind introducing yourself, good sir? Hi. Hi I'm
5: Kevin Yank. <laughs> and this is my first time at a pen show.
0: Hey, that's so cool. Um, what uh, What has been standing out to you so far today? Well, um,
5: seeing so many vintage pens because I'm really I'm I'm new to this thing and I've gotten into it from the modern angle and seeing so many of these swirly celluloid stripy things, um, I, I think uh, I'm still developing an eye for what I like in that and, and just getting to see so much of it in one place yeah. is really exciting.
0: Your collection, what is your primary focus, would you say?
5: I got into it through Lamy, so I have a, a extensive, an embarrassingly extensive Lamy collection and uh, more recently been getting into the short pilot pens.
0: And how long have you been in the hobby for? about eight months now eight months how many lamys have you collected in that eight months
5: i hesitate to say uh but i have more than 100 lami pens
0: amazing i don't even have more than 100 pens (laughs) i have less than 10. this is your first pen show and you've seen a heap of vintage stuff that might interest you that's right have you written with any of it uh
5: no none of the vintage what's your advice what should i try that i might not have tried
0: I I would absolutely ask. The Parkers are a fantastic. Place
5: I've never start. I've never written with a Parker.
0: I would absolutely ask if you can try to write with one, okay. or if you can write with one. Yeah. Find one that's perhaps refurbished so that you don't have to do anything to it. But certainly, always ask. Mm-hmm. Um, have you Have you purchased anything today?
5: I Picked up a Pilot Falcon. Um, probably the most flexible nib I will now own and I know there are way more flexi nibs out there to try as well but I'm I'm pretty excited about it already
0: have yeah. you picked up any ink today? Uh,
5: just the samples I got with me I have I have like many people way more ink than I will ever have time to use yes so I've uh, I've held back on the ink
0: Okay, I'm gonna ask you a few quick fire questions Please. now yeah. okay modern or vintage?
5: for me modern so far
0: Do you prefer to have a nice nib or a nice body?
5: Can I have both? (laughs) (laughs) That's my answer. (laughs) I keep my nice bodies on the shelf and I use my nice nibs at work.
0: Nice. Uh, Are you a collector or a user?
5: Um, I'm both, but probably most people would look at my collection and go, you are definitely a collector.
0: Thank you so much, Kevin. Enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you.
1: I'm Diana from
6: the nib I'm Quentin. Hi. Belle. Yes.
1: Oh, it's lovely to meet <laughs> yeah, you. I love I your shirt. Insane. It looks like a lovely... I inside. think Nicholas's
6: daughter made them. They're fantastic. No,
1: they're the volunteers. That's amazing. Yeah. And they're no. all individual, one of a kind.
6: Absolutely. Fantastic. No, I wish I got to keep this. It's fantastic.
1: <laughs> oh, you don't get to keep it? <laughs> I don't think so. What a shame. Yeah, yeah, I'd just, love to know what's... what you're doing um, over here. What,
6: what's going on? So, we've had... A bunch of the members of the community who have just brought in a bunch of old daizo pens or calligraphy books and notebooks that they aren't using just for people to try out, people to take ones that they really like. Um, We've had Moya Calligraphy bring in some of her old inks that she doesn't get much use out of or dip pens and nibs and it's just the generosity of the community.
1: This is amazing. I, I can see upward of, I don't know, like 50... Also, yeah. fountain pens, including some okay. like a scattering of very colourful ones. I think they'd be great for starters. I can see an orange Jing Hao shark fountain pen, which I'm sure someone will pick up very soon.
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that one stayed there that long.
1: <laughs> this is Diana. I'm here with Pam Sutton, who is giving a presentation on... 19th century propelling pencils.
7: Later on today, which I'm hoping to attend. Pam, um, how did you get into these pens? Well, about... 30 years ago, I was already interested in silver and I went looking for a 21st birthday present for my sister and I was in a shop and a dealer said, here, look at this this is silver, and he showed me this pencil and I've been hooked ever since. So Pam
1: pointed to a nineteen drop action cedar.
7: I'm not even sure what the cedar refers to. The pencil within the silver case is a cedar, a wooden pencil. And the drop action is the mechanism by which it moves in and out of the case. Is that an original 1925 pencil? Uh, The wooden refill inside could well date from that period, I'm not sure. But um, my sister never got the pencil. You kept it for yourself? I did. Did you end up getting her something else? Yeah, yeah. I can't even remember what. So what is your main focus on? What are you interested in most of all? I'm most interested in 19th century British propelling pencils between about 1820s up to about 1860. After that they're a bit newer for me. And do you mostly collect them or do you also sell them? I don't sell any. I'm just a collector and I think I've probably slowed down a bit in the last few years. This is
1: amazing. I'm just looking at your collection. It's so well curated and you obviously know a lot about
7: them. Yes. How do you f- learn more about these pencils? Well, I've been a member of the Writing Equipment Society in the UK for many years, and um, th- through several decades I've corresponded with a guy over there who's really been my mentor as far as mechanical pencils goes. So he-, he taught me a lot. When was the mechanical pencil first invented? The first patent for a mechanical pencil was in December 1822. So I have here an example from the tall mark in 1824. So this is a very early mechanical pencil. And is the action of the very
1: early 19th century mechanical pencils similar or very different to our existing modern mechanical pencil mechanism?
7: Um, In a way, it's similar, but the difference is that the early mechanism, um, the pencil was held in not by being gripped behind, but by having a specifically sized nozzle or hole in the front of the nozzle for the lead to come out. So the lead was pushed, but it was just held in by friction from the size of the hole in the end of the nozzle. So there were different grades of lead which had different sizes of nozzle. So, yes, it is different to modern pencils, but the mechanism uh, was used for well over 100 years very successfully. So I'm seeing two different main
1: types of pencils. One is what you described as the mechanical pencil, which has the pencil lead inside it. And the other is a slide pencil, I think is what you showed me earlier, which you can actually fit a pencil into. Is that the, the two main
7: differences? Certainly. There are pencils that are a mechanism with a nozzle that takes a lead. And there are, in my collection, plenty of silver and gold cases which are actually designed to hold a wooden pencil. And there's many different mechanisms by which they come out so that you can have a sliding mechanism or a drop action mechanism or a twisting mechanism for the pencil to come out of the barrel but yes there are mechanical pencils with leads and there are metal-cased wooden pencils. And will these
1: mechanical pencils with the leads and the ones that you fit an actual pencil into, is it still
7: possible to find uh, refills or um, compatible pencils for them today? It's almost impossible to get compatible leads. One manufacturer in Europe is making one size of these old size of leads, but the uh, pencils and leads for early pencils are as highly sought after by collectors as the pencils themselves. Vintage pencil leads. Yes. Here are some. So uh, in my display I've got some boxes of leads. So these early leads were so precious that each individual lead was housed in a glass cylinder to protect it because the early leads were made not by the modern mechanism. The modern pencils are made with a, uh, a ceramic mixture which you bake into a cylinder. The early ones were made by actually cutting down solid chunks of graphite and, and machining them into a, a lead.
1: So like a subtractive method rather than um, like out of a mould. Yes, that's right. For you, what is the most interesting thing about these uh, mechanical pencils and pencils and pencil holders?
7: Uh, certainly the ingenuity and the variety, and um, some of them are just so quirky. Do you collect anything else that's silver? Um, I do have some other little items made by the Morden Company, because although they are the biggest name of pencil makers of the 19th century, they did a lot of other silver work as well. So I have some salt and pepper shakers or some other little... Boxes. Is this your first pen show? I'm assuming it's probably not. No, I can't remember. I think it's probably at least my 20th, but however long the Melbourne Pen Show has been going, I think I missed, I missed the first one, and I've been here ever since. It's, it's the highlight of my year. That's so amazing. And do you notice anything different about this year's pen show? I think I noticed more differences last year. Last year, the things were new. We had a, a terrific influx of younger collectors last year, and that's been built on again this year. So I think the, the future of the pen show is looking very bright. I hope so. Thank you so much for talking to me. I
1: learned so much. Thank you.
2: So I'm here with my first interview from one of the uh, presentations. I'm with Doug Wilson, who's just given a spectacular talk on Conway Stewart pen and pencil sets. So hello, Doug.
8: Hi, how are you going?
2: So Doug, what got you interested in Conway Stewart fountain pens?
8: For a start, they were British, like me. Um, But as I acquired more and more of them, I found that the colour combinations of pens, pencils and the boxes they were in were quite spectacular and they got me interested as much in them as an art collection as in a collection of writing equipment.
2: Well, that leads me to an excellent question. Do you ever write with any of your vintage Conway Stewarts?
8: I do, usually at home. I don't carry them around with me typically unless I go to a meeting of the Melbourne Pen Group because they castigate me terribly if I use a ball pen. But typically when I take a fountain pen to the meeting, the thing leaks or um, it doesn't work at all. So... (laughs) But I have to admit I am not a fountain pen mechanic So I am am not that accomplished at at servicing them and making them work Maybe that should be my next uh, chapter
2: So if you were to take a fountain pen to write with Just so that they don't (laughs) castigate you at the uh, Melbourne Pen Group What fountain pen would you take with you?
8: Of course a Conway Stewart Um, because I like to I like to feature the brand in, in everything I do, or at least feature my interest in it. When you get together with pen people, they always want to examine the pen that you've brought to the meeting. So it has to be Conway Stewart.
2: Do you write with any modern fountain pens, or are you strictly vintage?
8: Uh, strictly vintage. Um, I, I have to put my hand up and say that I write typically with a ball pen, but I... Uh, I do understand what writing with a, with a fountain pen does to your style, to your method of writing, to your carefulness. Uh, and and when I'm fully retired, maybe that's something I'll do more of. I'm well aware of the modern fountain pens. The, the and, and I'm also well aware that there is a generation of people much younger than me that loves those fountain pens. And I applaud the fact that there is something that keeps them interested in the whole idea of fountain pens and that keeps them coming to a show like this. I mean, we get 500 people through the door at this show and probably 50% of them are coming to look at modern fountain pens, notebooks, and all sorts of writing paraphernalia.
2: How long have you been associated with the Melbourne Pen Show?
8: Uh, Three, four years join the committee now that uh, organises it. We we took over two years ago from the long-established crew that had run it, uh, and we are a group of six or seven uh, on a committee that that um, take care of the whole thing now.
2: So I'm one of the uh, people who mostly have modern fountain pens, including two which. Claim to be Conway Stewart, made by bespoke British pens. Now, I know it's Conway Stewart material and it's Conway Stewart bits, but it's not a Conway Stewart pen. What's your opinion of those?
8: I think the attempts to keep the brand alive and to um, continue the uh, the legend uh, uh, were uh, wonderful. I have not personally got involved with any of those items because I have enough to handle with the vintage ones but unfortunately none of the none of the efforts to keep the brand alive worked and it's now sadly buried.
2: When I was listening to your talk you came across to me as like one part amateur historian and one part Sherlock Holmes. I noticed that you were uh, accessing primary sources so Uh, advertising and price lists from back in the day but you were also piecing together bits and pieces and tracking down the clues of what what pen and pencil went into what box how do you see yourself in your quest to catalogue the conway stewart pen and pencil sets
8: my wife thinks i'm mad and i sometimes think uh, that she's right Um, it's just an obsession that has taken root in my mind personally it is it's an interest outside of work, which is, which is a very healthy thing to have. It has really brought me into the modern world because I am burrowing into the, into the internet, stealing photographs and information from, from everywhere uh, and just thoroughly enjoying, as you say, the Sherlock Holmes aspect of it and, and the amateur historian part of it. Will lead me eventually to publish something that will hopefully be seen as the authoritative document on Conway Stewart pen and pencil sets.
2: You mentioned that you were going to do a website and you also have copies of the two histories that have been written, both of whom by people that you know. Um, Why choose a website and not publish a book yourself?
8: Books are expensive. Um, They are time-consuming to produce and the market for them is relatively limited. Uh, And once you've published a book, it's cast in stone, so to say. Um, Whereas for me, the the subject matter is always moving, is always changing. And I believe that a website will allow more flexibility, more updating of the subject matter uh, as we go along. And the
2: two Conway Stewart um, sort of Franken-pens that I have, uh, I bought them because the material was just too beautiful not to want a pen in that material, and they're original Conway Stewart materials. So what would you say led you to study Conway Stewart rather than Parker or some other pen brand that was around at the same time?
8: In in one word, colour. Uh, The... uh, there are numerous pens that write beautifully and are wonderful pieces of engineering, but what attracted me to Conway Stewart was the fact that the the a lot of trouble was taken to produce materials that were color colorful, and to house those pens and pencils into boxes that were color coordinated with them and and told a story, and I I just fell in love with it as more as as much as art collection as, uh, as pen and pencil collection.
2: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me and enjoy the rest of the show.
8: Thank you. It's my pleasure.
1: It must be Diana. Yes, I'm Diana. Aileen.
9: Uh,
1: Hi. Uh, how are you? Hello, Eileen. Uh, Aileen or like
9: Aileen? Aileen. Uh, Aileen. Uh, I follow you on Instagram. I'm Pen Fiend. Pen Fiend?
1: Yes. Are you from Melbourne?
9: Yes. I am. Is this your first show? No, I've been to many shows around everywhere.
1: That's amazing. <laughs> I've been
9: to the D.C. one and to the London one, it's, and this one a few times.
1: I'm so jealous. The largest pen show in the world is how they uh, the self-touted. Amazing. It's really amazing. And how do you think this show compares? Um, you can't really
9: compare. It's different, you know. But it's nice. It's very and, intimate and very cozy. And what do you like about this show? Um, I guess because it's local,
7: Sophia, you
9: know, you know, you know, lots of people here. Do you know a lot of the people, the vendors? Yeah, the vendors and the community members. And in fact, I used to be a community member, but because I live out of town, it's a little bit harder for me to be involved. So, so I, you know, not so involved now. But I still know most people around. Here. That's amazing. I just recognize Sophia. Isn't it Sophia yes, it's Sophia. She has a very
1: distinctive <laughs> laugh. Looked <laughs> like, Oh, I heard that laugh before on your podcast. It's a great podcast, by the Thank way. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm here with Tav and Angela from Sydney at their store. Tav, when did you get in this morning?
10: Uh, well, actually, we got in at seven o'clock, nice and early. It's yeah, it's it's hard work. It's it's a lot of work.
1: Is this the first time as a vendor at a pen show for you?
10: Yeah, yeah. I was kind of, um, I, I didn't even realize I was going to be doing this. Um, but Angela has decided to sell over 100 of her pens and I decided I would sell like 10 of mine. So yeah, we've been hard at work pricing things and getting a catalog going and, you know, getting Square set up so we can take card payments and all that. It's been, it's been a lot of work. You guys but, yeah. are
1: so organized.
10: Yeah, yeah, it would seem that way, wouldn't it? It would. It would seem that way. Well, I definitely, I'm, definitely, definitely didn't do any of this at all last minute. No, not at all. No.
1: Well, I'm. I'm glad to see that you're accepting credit cards because um, a lot of vendors aren't, and certainly for me, because I'm not carrying that much cash, it's much more convenient.
10: Having been customers in many other pen shows, that has been a bit of a peeve of ours. So we're like, well, why not? Especially considering we've got people being like, oh oh damn I don't have the cash for that and we are like well guess what we take card you've got no excuse now you have to buy it
1: <laughs> yeah you're sorted you're obligated to buy this pen now
10: yeah yeah exactly they're like legally contractually obligated to buy this pen right now
1: really you're not <laughs> yes, yes yes how's the day been going for you so far this is almost uh what time is it now it's so like doing. 11 something
10: uh, like, o'clock. Oh, sorry, 11 o'clock. 11 it's o'clock.
1: 11 o'clock now how's the day been going so far Angela
10: Very good. Selling
4: lots. People are very nice. Enjoying all of the pen lovers.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because when I talked to you earlier, it was only around nine, right after the opening, and there's so many more people now.
4: Yeah, there's heaps of people. Um, Lots of kids too, which has been nice. It's good to see young people getting involved in fountain pens and starting (laughs) off
1: early. (laughs) Have you had a chance to have a look around the show yourself? Not
4: really. Not really. Tab has. I will probably have a look a bit later when it's calmed down a bit. It's a bit too busy at the moment, but...
1: Would you do this again?
4: Yeah, I think so. If I have enough stock, hopefully I get rid of everything and then I won't need to.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll check in with you later in the day. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks, Diana. I'm here with the Adelaide contingent. Did you want to introduce yourselves? I'm Good, Cassie. Uh, Georgia. i
3: Gordon. i uh, Michael, not Adelaide.
1: Where are you from, Michael?
3: Uh, New South Wales.
1: That's wonderful. Are you uh, guys all here just for today?
11: Yes, yeah, yeah, for the pen show.
1: That's amazing. Is this your first pen show? It is for me. Yay! Second for me. I came last year. Yeah, it is for me.
11: First for me too.
1: (laughs) And what's your impression of the pen show so far?
11: Uh, It's not bad. I I thought there might be a bit more variety, but if you're into vintage pens, it's definitely a place to come. (laughs) I saw plenty of modern pens as well yeah um I was hoping to see a bit more sailors, but didn't really see too many apart from the bargain I got from tav <laughs> um I think Guido has a few sailors over there, and there's a yeah there's a couple um
1: maybe second hand ones. I saw a Naginata m f which I had a thought of buying. Have you made any purchases so far?
11: Yes <laughs> my one and only from uh tav got a uh four season sailor that was the white
1: glittery one, isn't it? Oh nice pick How about you?
12: Um, Yeah, I had to make one purchase. You can't go without making at least one purchase. But it's just one of the Falcon gift sets.
1: Lovely. Is that for yourself or uh, a Christmas gift? Just for me. A Christmas gift for yourself?
12: All pens are just for me.
1: (laughs) How about you, Cassie? I've stocked up on calligraphy supplies for the next year. And I think there's a calligraphy demonstration going on today. Um, Are you hoping to give that a go? I am, given that I'm missing the Adelaide Calligraphy Society's meeting today for this. I'm definitely going and getting some calligraphy in. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, Did you want to plug the Adelaide Calligraphy group while you're here? They don't have much of a Facebook presence, but for any Adelaide listeners, go check out the Calligraphy Society of South Australia. Their next meeting will be in February. Michael, how about you? Have you picked up anything at the pen show?
3: Uh, Yeah, a few inks. I think I've got enough pens I don't need to buy any more. unless there's a Diplomat Aero floating around, but uh, inks definitely stocking up.
11: And which inks have caught your eye?
3: I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Robert Oster. I do try and support Australians, so I'll keep buying his inks.
11: How about you, Natasha? I bought myself a, a M805 Broad. Which finish? Um, I don't know. It's the black one with the green window. Oh, I see. The, the green striped? Yeah. Well, not the green striped. The, um, it's just all black, and it's just got the green window down the bottom. Nice. You can see the ink through it. And which nib was that? A broad nib. Is that your favourite nib? No, it's a new nib for me, so i wanted, always wanted to have a Pelican, so I went and bought myself one, so... Yeah, that's great. Are you normally a fan of vintage or modern? Uh, neither. I'm a fan of wide section grips and light pens, which really narrows down my choices and bumps up the price. That is unfortunately true. I do have a Opus 88 demonstrator
1: in my bag, which has a very wide barrel. You might want to give that a go at some point. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yes, thank you.
0: Hi, it's Mel. I'm here with my second interview of the day. Would you, uh, would you like to introduce yourself?
13: Yeah, my name is Jay. uh I'm originally from France, and I grew up with fountain pen because at prep, you had to have a fountain pen. And then I got to uni, and at the end of uni, I forgot that fountain pen existed. And, and then when I got back for long service leave back to France, my kids went to school and got the fountain pen, and I said, oh, forgot the fountain pen even existed, and I bought two $10 pens, and from that, you know, got to and just say, oh, you know, I'll have a bigger one, oh, I'll have a Mont Blanc, oh, I'll have a <laughs> more Waterman, and um, yes. Um,
0: Lovely. Um, where have you come from today? Do you live in Melbourne, or? Yeah,
13: yeah, Caulfield, so it's not far.
0: Lovely. Is this your first Melbourne pen show that yes, you've
13: attended? Yes, it is the first one, yes. I've been waiting for five months for it. So, yes, that was that's a big day for me today.
0: <laughs> so, have you been back into the hobby for long or are you just... A, four years. Back yeah, in, yep. yeah,
13: four years. Uh, I use uh, my uh, Waterman, my $10 Waterman for about three years. And then for my 44th birthday, I treat myself for a $200 Waterman. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, and then we went on a trip and then it's look at Fontaine Pen like Mont Blanc mm-hmm. and say, oh, well, i love like one of those. Yeah. And then since then, I've been just, yeah, just bit off Kensington, you know, big sale, mm-hmm. 70% off of yeah. Waterman. So I get one of those.
0: Lovely. So Waterman would be probably your pen of choice?
13: Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a French pen, so yeah. in a way. But, you know, I'm looking at the Twisby, I'm looking at the Metropolitan, um, because they uh, um, they're all different, and my daughter, she's excited yeah. about all of this, so uh, I'm getting her a few pins today to just, just play around.
0: My daughter has a Pelican Twist, and she also has a Twisby, um, the, the Push one, the Twisby Go.
13: Oh, ah, the Go, okay. Yeah,
0: the Piston Filler. So, your first impressions of your first Melbourne pen show?
13: Oh, well, look, that's nice. I mean, you, you bump into people that want to talk to you, and... And everyone, I've got my six pens here with me. And so I open that, show that to people, and they show me their pens. And, and we talk about the passion that we share. And so it's really lovely nice. uh, to have that. So, yeah.
0: Have you purchased anything today so far?
13: Uh, yes. I had my budget. And, <laughs> um, and I was here at 9.30, and I think it's about 12 now. And I still got quite a few out of my budget. So I'm not going into vintage because that's a rabbit hole. Yes. Someone said that last year in the podcast, mm. and I think I'm not going there, <laughs> and financially speaking as well, I just probably can't afford it, so, you know, I leave that to the older <laughs> generation, so.
0: Lovely. Uh, I'm going to ask you three quick quick-fire questions now. Okay. Modern or vintage? Modern. Do you prefer the look of the body or the feel of the nib when you're choosing a pen? Feel of the nib. Are you a collector or a user? user. Thank you so much. Enjoy the day. All right.
13: Thank you.
2: I'm here right now with Chris Grosvenor. We're up in the balcony overlooking the the show. We've just come back from lunch. Chris and I have frequently been confused for one another for reasons that defy belief. We have similar glasses, but in every other way, we are completely dissimilar. So, you know, I don't want to body shame, but if you were making up a nursery rhyme around about us, we'd be doing a race around the fireplace. Um, so, Chris, here's some questions for you. Vintage or modern pens for you?
12: Definitely modern. I have one vintage pen and I've inked it up once and
2: trying to clean it was a nightmare, so modern, yeah. (laughs) Similar to me, I think. And when you're looking for a new pen, are you thinking about the pen body or the nib as your most important feature?
12: It's a bit of a combination, I'd have to say. I definitely appreciate the nib and how it writes the most, but, you know, it has to be paired with a nice body to make Something I want to keep in my collection.
2: Oh, collection. So that's a good word. Would you say you're a collector, a user, or an acquirer?
12: Maybe collection's the wrong word, uh, user, definitely user. So what's your
2: most recent fountain pen that you bought?
12: I don't even, um, it's a good question. It's been a while. So maybe my Opus 88 demonstrator?
2: Oh, that has been a while.
12: Yeah, I've been, I've been good.
2: Or bad, depending on your point of view. Yeah. So, what was your first fountain pen? Uh, first fountain
12: pen was a Parker Jotter, which I got just to dip my toes in and see what it was like, and I quickly went on from there.
2: <laughs> That's the story we know. Uh, and here we go, best part of the Melbourne Pen Show? Uh,
12: the people. Catching up, having lunch, saying hi to everyone, seeing some of our friends from Sydney coming down, so yeah, the people. Couldn't agree more. Thanks very much. Thank you.
1: We are going to have some hard-hitting questions for Mark and Sophia here. Let's put it this way. What really impressed you about this show? The fact that people are
4: coming with their own personal collections and, and really... Have oh, we got that? No, we we kind of do, but not like this. Like, for me, every time I go to the Melbourne Pen Show, I actually immediately gravitate to the mechanical pencils. And, Pams. yeah, yeah Pam's Pam, Pam is really cool. so beautiful. She's always willing to... like She was just telling us how she loved sterling silver... Um, mechanical pencils and that's why a lot of her collection consists of that mm. and just telling us a little bit more, like we, we saw flat pencils that you can't find anywhere else anymore and just the way that leads were protected by individual glass vials, things like that is, is what brings us to Melbourne, not only the beautiful people here, so um, that, that's the one thing I would The two say. things
14: yes, so the social scene and, and the vintage scene is just really well established down here and that's just <laughs> something we need to work on
4: and i think we just we agree wholeheartedly in the fact that um we're completely two different creatures and for me my dream you know would be having another pen show in brisbane and then having one have one in every capital capital city and so we could
15: capital state capital city
4: yeah make it a a thing like in america where you get to travel to every capital city and meet all your friends um yeah And, and that's essentially what you know, people should kind of stop it with the com- competition. There shouldn't and be any competition.
1: There's no competition yes. there. Friendly rivalry is healthy, right?
11: <laughs>
1: <laughs> competition drives us all to improve. That's my corporate speak there.
4: A- agreed. agreed. and And actually, the more that I think about it... Um,
14: I think we should work together in parts as well. I think we could collaborate and work together really well. Why should we fight each other? We should just all work together.
4: We haven't. That's the thing. We haven't. And so any sort of question of competition, we've never had anything where we sit down and we compare. It's more just, oh, you know, this is something that they have and something that we'd love to improve on or if there's something that we have that, you
1: know, isn't a strong thing here... So speaking as someone who volunteered for a very long day at the Sydney Show, I loved having people bring me lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Like they have this cafe right across the road from the Town Hall, and I saw people coming in with like food bags delivered to the store. Can we have that next year, please?
14: They're already on the books. We're definitely going to do that
4: hands down. We're looking into more space as well, so uh, looking to two separate. Show spaces, yes, yes. Um, somewhere where people can again sit down and and really have a look at each other's collections. Um, that was some it's feedback, like a
14: swap meet kind of setup. Yeah. Whereas then the main area is going to be like showcasing with some elements of selling. But it's going to be like companies on one side, and then the other side it's going to be like swap meet market yeah. kind of vibe on the other.
4: But also the the meetup space is something that Melbourne Pen Show have today, which is fantastic. Uh, I think those are the two main things. Um, Just having a space for everyone to really sit down and have a good chat. And the other thing is making sure all the people that are volunteering and supporting on the day are well fed. Because we really were just eating lollies and chips, bag of chips, to get through the day. And poor Dai had to run around trying to find sushi.
14: Continual learning process.
4: Yeah, And, and it was our first show. And we just, we didn't know what to expect And hands down, you know, you can prepare as much as you can for something. But on the day, so many things get thrown at you.
1: And we were just lucky to have the team that we we had to support. I think it was an incredible and massive first effort. Uh, Really exciting hearing you just brainstorm on the fly. So thank you for doing that. And we certainly don't hold you to any of what you're saying.
14: I (laughs) do. I do. That's okay. We'll, We'll bring the bacon.
4: Yeah, we'll bring the bacon and we'll cook it for you.
16: Yeah, <laughs> make us some bacon hoodies.
4: <laughs> oh, that would be so good, Mel. Yum yum yum. yum 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 yum. Yeah, and
0: flames and all sorts of different fabrics. We got to think of like a theme colour and all the options. You can make custom fabric. You just got to get in early enough.
4: <laughs> oh. oh.
0: <laughs> You're only making more work for yourself,
4: eh? Hey? <laughs>
14: T-shirts. <gasps> t-shirts, yes. We were yes. asked for T-shirts, and I think
12: we're going to do that.
4: For sure. And then I was so silly. I only made 50 badges for the bench Show this year, and for sure we're going to increase the quantity of that.
1: Did you see the uh, the T-shirts, the ink splatter T-shirts that the volunteers were wearing? Apparently Nick Gold's daughter made them. They they look amazing. And each one, I think, is individual. But I don't think they're to keep them.
4: Oh man! Well, if, if they get to wear it again next year, that's even better. You know, just keeping it going. So, I think that would be a really cool thing to to even customize your own T-shirt.
16: All right, like, enough about us. Let's talk about a Melbourne. Yeah,
4: show. let's talk about Melbourne ben Show though. Like, you know, what? What? I, I love the setting. I was just absolutely gobsmacked again. Um, pay it forward thing. table. Yeah. So that was another thing that I was I was really happy to see. Just that you know the community is coming together and donating all these things. And then someone like in the crowd, Eileen, she oh recognized God. it. Yes! And then at first I felt Hello, really... Hello, Eileen. Hi, Eileen. Thank you for recognizing my laugh. I, it's something I'm very self-conscious about, but the fact that you you said it was a positive thing, I, I might turn into a brand. There, he is. there he is. <laughs> Christmas album. Ten tracks oh of different laughs. laughs. Oh. <Jesus>. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm not drunk. I just had... Really good southern fried
1: chicken. Oh, we just had a really great lunch with the yeah. Melbourne pen groups.
4: Okay, I'm really self-conscious now. You keep talking.
1: <laughs> okay. Thanks so much for talking to us. Thanks so much for talking Thank to you. us. Thank you. See you in Sydney.
0: See you soon.
1: See you in Sydney. I'm
0: here with my third interview of the day. Would you like to introduce yourself?
14: Hi, how's it going? I'm Michael. I'm an accountant. <laughs> oh, I just graduated from uni. Um, and I've only actually been using fountain pens for about a year and a half. So not super recently or anything.
0: So are you uh, are you a local or have you
14: flown in from somewhere? Yeah, I'm from Melbourne, and I've been going to the Melbourne Pen meets for a lot of this year. It's been really good to meet a lot of the Melbourne people, yeah. especially Mel, Aww. who helps us organise and takes care <laughs> of us in every way, like our mother.
0: <laughs> Thanks, No, I think. Is this your first pen show or have you been to the Melbourne Pen Show before? Yeah.
14: So this is my first pen show mm-hmm. ever. Um, my first time being at the Melbourne Pen Show, I've never been to any other one. So this has been a really cool experience seeing how many people there are um, here. I was expecting like a third of this many mm-hmm. people. Um, yep. So it's really cool to see a lot of older and younger people as well.
0: Yeah, it's a great mix of kind of, There's I've seen kids here with their mums and dads picking up like sharp pens from the pay-it-forward table. Yep. So cute. So, have you purchased anything today?
14: I'm actually not planning on buying anything today. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, I'm a type of person who actually doesn't enjoy a ton of different ink. Yep. I don't like change, and I've already got enough pens to use, so I'm not buying anything today.
0: So you're kind of using this as a um, as our pen meet. This yeah. is your yeah. Yeah. This is you <laughs> catching up with any with all of us. Pretty
14: much. I'm really looking forward to lunch. So, <laughs> um, apart from that, there's not really much going on. Yeah. So I've got three quickfire questions for you. Okay. Uh, modern or vintage? Modern.
0: Do you normally buy a pen for the body or for the nib?
14: For the nib, 100%. Uh, do
0: you think you're a collector or a user?
1: I'm definitely a user. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Michael. Have a great day.
1: Thanks. I'm here with Peter Lucas of Uniquely Handcrafted Pens. How are you, Peter?
17: I'm very well, thank you. How's your day been so far? I've been pretty steady. Yeah, had, had a lot of good sales. And what do you make? I make uh, fountain pens. Roller balls, ballpoints, magnifiers, letter openers. I call them bill openers now. And um, secret compartment uh, key rings. I make pens out of unique things like fish skin, mobile phone circuit boards, a little bone off a leg of lamb here, lamb shanks over here. I, I try anything once, and if it sells, I'll try it again. Is this your first Melbourne pen show? Third. And the first, or fourth actually, the first one I came as a calligraphy demonstrator and got uh, sidetracked by Tim Fagan up in the corner making a pen.
1: So you've been turning book pens for about how long?
17: Nearly three years.
1: Is this a hobby?
17: Well, it's become more of a hobby, more than a hobby. I've just finished my thousandth pen, which I spent 10 hours building before I got to the lathe.
1: So you're a a wood, a, a wood turner?
17: More a pen turner.
1: I'm looking at your 1,000th anniversary pen. It's not just a pen. It's actually a full set of letter opener. I think that's a keyring with the secret compartment, a magnifying glass, and a fountain pen. Is that correct? And the wood is um, like a checkered it's, material? It's
17: spotted gum and jarrah with a veneer inlay between each section. This will go into the Australian Woodturning Exhibition next year. That pen there went in this year's show, which was uh, Osage orange, Tasmanian oak, and red gum. I think Matt also spent six hours making that one.
1: That's beautiful. I'm going to take some photos of this to go on the website. Thank you so much. Thank you.
2: I'm here with Bruce Denny, who's a collector and restorer of fountain pens, and I just heard him say that he travels internationally just to attend fountain pen shows. So I might start with that. Hello Bruce and can you tell me where have you gone to go and see fountain pen shows?
16: Well I guess I'm reasonably lucky because I travel for business uh, a fair bit so uh, unfortunately Australia's only got one pen show and that's the Melbourne pen show each year although I think there was one in Sydney this year Um, but unfortunately it was only new pens. Um, So I do particularly look vintage pens, and uh, I travel to the U.S. and I've been to numerous U.S. pen shows, uh, and to uh, Europe. Um, also, managed to get to Japan, which is uh, 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 you know a good source of uh, of older fountain pens as well. So,
2: what's your thought on the modern fountain pens? You mentioned you've got thirteen hundred or twelve hundred uh, vintage pens. What's your feeling about modern pens?
16: I think it's thirteen hundred to zero. That probably sums it up. Yeah, no, I don't particularly uh, go in for modern pens. Really, not because there's anything the matter with them. They're probably write much better than the ones I use. But uh, I like the history associated with fountain pens, particularly the very early history, back to the 1870s, 1880s.
2: And you said that you do write with your vintage fountain pens. So uh, if you had to say what favourite nib you have? What style of nib would you say out of your vintages is your favourite?
16: Uh, yeah, I'm not so much into nibs. I'm really into more the design uh, design and, and colour. As long as the nib is functional, uh, I, I'm fine. I obviously like a little bit of flex, but I'm not uh, in, into uh, you know super flex nibs or anything like that. I just like a pen that writes well and doesn't blot.
2: It doesn't blot, it doesn't leak, doesn't break. That's always good things to have. So you've been to the Melbourne
16: Pen Show many times? Um, yeah, I think it's probably about my fifth visit, yeah. I, I fly down each year. Um, normally, if I can't hook it in with a business trip, then I'll come down, especially as I have this time. Um, being the only uh, pen show in Australia that, that sells vintage pens, it's the sort of place you've got to come to.
2: And what would you say is your favourite thing about the Melbourne Pen Show?
16: Um, really friendly people. Um, uh, it's not huge, but it's, uh, it, there's always a good range of old pens um, and uh, uh, knowledgeable people to talk to.
2: All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today, Bruce.
16: Thank you. I'm here
1: with David and Costa. At least say hi to Sharon.
18: Hey, Sharon. Hi to our listeners. How are you guys? And welcome to the Melbourne Pen Show.
1: And this here is David. Hi. How are you? How many years have you been coming to the Melbourne Pen Show now?
18: Uh, uh, This would probably be my 10th or 12th year for myself. David would probably be around 20, David, would say. 20 years, yeah. 20 years. 20 years I've been in the business.
1: I noticed that you have prime location, a prime real estate in the Melbourne Town Hall. You are the first table on the left coming in through the entrance. How did you manage that?
8: Well, we've been here for a number of years now, and... uh, it's, it's got a, like a nice covering about it with some good lighting. and The Vista is beautiful, you know. And with my friend Costa, it's, it's, it's a joy to come, come in. I, I
18: think David's paid his dues oh, and, wow. um, you know, 20 years in the game, you would have hoped that they would uh, put him front and centre and here we are. But, you know, seriously, it's a great day. It's a day we all look forward to uh, every year. Um, I've got to thank the committee. Um, Silvana has put in an outstanding effort uh, in, in making it happen, and, and I hope everyone genuinely has enjoyed themselves. There's so many nice, beautiful vintage pieces here on our table uh, amongst all the modern stuff that's out there. And how have you enjoyed the day?
1: As a first-time Melbourne pen show goer, I'm amazed and just so grateful for you guys for really being you know the very first australia pen show and sharing your experiences so that we can learn from you guys you have such a well established and long meeting community over here and you obviously know a lot of these people very well so we, we really envy that and I look forward to hopefully developing some of that community in Sydney.
18: Absolutely. The landscape has changed in the last five or ten years um, with a younger generation coming forward. I think the monthly pen meets have played a really big role in bringing everyone together and, and uh, feeling more confident talking to each other and learning and educating each other on vintage or modern or different inks or calligraphy etc and with comparing it with Sydney I I didn't go this year but I heard wonderful things so I hope they're just going to get bigger and bigger and better because there is a, a lot more people coming every year so it's wonderful
1: did you get many people asking you questions about vintage pens today
18: always it's wonderful to see um first timers apart from the same regular faces that have been frequenting us for many years just asking questions and uh, learning and wanting to know what first pen can i have and what's a lever replacement sacks button fillers flex nibs you know variations widths etc so it's been great yeah
1: yeah, because as someone who doesn't know a lot about vintage pens, I'm always quite intimidated when I see this spread of all these different types of vintages that I I really don't know where to start or where to start um, naming. Like, I don't even know what I'd, what I'd call this gorgeous celluloid that's in front of me but everyone that i've talked to and asked questions about has been so nice and really generous with their knowledge
18: the the beauty with vintage is it, it brings back the romance of the pen companies that were around back in the day you mentioned these celluloid which obviously our listeners can't see being wonderful conway stewart's an old English company. Then we've got the Schaefer's from the 30s, 40s, 50s, American-made, Australian-made. Of course, the Parker's, the Parker 51s, the Vacuumatics, Swans. We've got plenty of Swans here. Um, Vintage Mont Blancs. um, And the list goes on and on and on. So there is something here for everybody. So um, if you're still here, come down and let's have some fun.
1: Okay, one last question for both of you. What's the favourite thing that you've had to let go of today?
18: Uh, From a personal point of view, there was a prototype Conway Stewart here that uh, my dearest friend David uh, was lucky enough to have. And it was hard for us to let it go because we've had it for many years, the prototype Conway Stewart. So uh, some gentleman uh, saw it, eyed it off and jumped on it. Uh, so it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, feeling seeing that go.
1: He gave you a deal that you couldn't pass up?
18: Yeah, true. Something like that. <laughs>
1: and David, how about you? Was there something that you really, really did not want to let go of, but you had to sell today? Uh,
8: yeah, look, uh, probably the the prototype Conway Stewart. But it had been around for a while, and I think it needed to uh, take legs and walk <laughs> to a good owner, of course. You know.
1: How easy do you think it would be to find one of those again?
8: Uh, difficult. I won't find another prototype. Especially boxed like that. So, No, it's, uh, it's been a good day. And uh, I've, I've enjoyed it. I always do enjoy it. And to have my friend Costa with me is an absolute joy. He's uh, knowledgeable. He's very good. And he's a great talker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you both are. Thank you so much. No problem at all.
2: I'm here now with Max Brody who's the chair of the organizing committee for the Melbourne Pen Show and has the finest collection of vintage Parkers I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so Max, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Hi there. You've got a lot of vintage pens and I know you mostly for your duofold collection.
15: Are you also interested in modern pens? Yeah, some of the duofolds that you see here are modern duofolds. And up to the newest one, which is the 130 anniversary. When I get enough money, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> um, do I dare ask how much that costs? Uh, I'm not going to tell you, <laughs> I'll drive up the price.
2: <laughs> That's fair enough. So, if you only use a couple of your pens,
15: would you say that you're a user, a collector or an acquirer? Well, I collect, which implies acquisition, but these days it's more and more difficult for me to find gaps that I want for my type of collection. So. You know, it's not like buying a pen every week. It's, uh, it's a rare occasion when I pick up something I really like. As far as using, I still only use Parker pens. And I've got various different purposes for the couple of pens that do sit inked on my desk. One of which is this old Parker 51 where you can see all the ink in it and everything else. It's a demonstrator. And that's my daily writer. Simple as that. I've also got a, an 1898 Parker number 1. That I use if I fancy writing, uh, well, not if I fancy writing, if I want to write fancy in an orange ink, it's got orange ink inside it and it's beautiful. But it makes a mess all over the place. That's not what you would use as a pocket pen, take to work? Well, it depends what colour you want your pocket to be.
2: (laughs) Well, I noticed that your shirt is uh, delightfully ink stained. Is that one of the ones that um, Nicholas Gold's daughter did? Especially purple for me in the Melbourne storm. (laughs) that's wonderful so when you say fancy writing is that just because of fancy ink or does it have a a fancy nib as
15: well the nib on that thing is so flexible that it'll go from very very fine to extra extra broad matter of the pressure you use but you've got to have decent paper otherwise it just splatters all over the place so would you call yourself
2: a calligrapher do you have that fancy handwriting
15: (laughs) no couldn't be bothered anymore (laughs) <laughs> well, the reason I write with a fountain pen is because my writing with a ball pen is so legible. It's not that much better with a fountain pen, but it is better.
2: And what made you choose Parkers to focus your attention on? When
15: I was a schoolboy, I, I went to a school that had a dichotomy of, from one side of the road they were very wealthy and from the other side they were very poor. All the wealthy boys had Parker 51 pens and they were beautiful and I loved one. Um, I'm not saying how I acquired my first good Parker, but it was not legal, shall we say. <laughs> and I wrote with that pen right through school, all the way through the end of university.
2: A beautiful pen. And so that brand loyalty was because of your
15: first experience? Well, the Parker 51 I saw is just the most beautiful pen, and it was something I could write with properly. So I learned to write with dip pens. And ink that you threw around at the other kids in the class. And, uh, you know, it was just messy and blotty and everything else. And the Parker 51 wrote, as the advert said, it wrote almost dry onto the paper. And to me, that was a pen. It still is. There it sits. The Daily Writer, Parker 51. Well, I don't
2: think you can go past the Parker 51, but it's your dual folds that I really love. The, the box of dual folds here. I don't know quite how to describe it. It's like, a cube that has at least three sides that you can see perspex, and it's a rainbow of different colored hard rubbers and acrylics by the looks of it, or celluloids. So can you tell me, how long have you been collecting the duofolds? folds?
15: Well, it's hard to say, I really don't know. I started off with 61s, and then as I found the duofolds, folds, um, I had a red hard rubber one, and, and then I got plastic ones and just sort of, I don't even know the, the history of my own collection but it started at about 1990 and it's been going ever since. So that's nearly 30 years of collecting in that one wooden cube, that's quite impressive. No, 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 not in that cube, no 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 a lot of the, uh, the stuff is sitting in a display cabinet at home. I used to like getting them, I still like getting them in their boxes if you have a look here there's a Parker 16 from about 1910 in its box in red hard rubber that's pretty damn rare um, there's a Parker 45 in the box finding these old pens in
2: boxes is very very difficult and do you ever sell any of your pens or once you've got it it's yours forever
15: well I think sooner or later I've got to start to think about uh, turning this into a superannuation of some kind of sorts but uh, at the moment nothing's for sale so you, um, you're not you don't have a line of
2: relatives all going, oh, by the way, Uncle Max, those Parker Jewelfolds of yours,
15: dot, dot, dot. Oh, good for the bin. What the hell am I going to do with it? <laughs> yeah, and the teacher's the it's morning. true. I don't think my kids would have any interest. So you. No? You, what does your family think of your, your hobby? Without using four-letter words? They think I'm an idiot.
2: <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, I think that you probably wouldn't be the only person in this particular ballroom whose family think the same thing for the same reason. So, look, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us, Max. It's been great. Thanks very much for talking to me.
1: Finally, we've managed to catch Max Brody in between lucky draws, raffle draws, I have to say. Thank you so much, Max. Hi. (laughs) You've had a very, very busy day today, I can tell. Yes. When you were calling for me over the loudspeaker, I was just over there at that table trying to buy a Parker.
15: Oh, you're buying a Parker? Well, that's 100 points. That's <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, my dilemma today is that I'm trying to speak to everyone, but also I want to buy things because I don't see many vintages in Sydney. And I think that's one of the draws for a lot of us who haven't been to one of the Melbourne pen shows.
15: Until reasonably recently, the age of people who used who grew up with fountain pens, we've been getting older and older and older, obviously. There's only one alternative to that, and it's not preferable. Uh, but we've found a lot of young people now have come in and said, OK, there's affordable fountain pens. They're better to write with than ball pens. And we're getting interested in this. And if you had a look at the demographics today, you'll find that there's a dichotomy. There doesn't seem to be much in the middle. In the older group, there's plenty. And in the younger group, there's plenty of people. And it seems to be coming back. The fact that you can write, you don't have to type. Uh, You do need to make notes from time to time. I did notice you guys as as digital people, when I did the first interview, I noticed in the notebook all the questions were written down in handwriting. I didn't notice if there was a pen or a a fountain pen that had written it, but I'm told now it's a fountain pen. And it just shows you the fact that the fountain pen is there. It ain't going anywhere. It's getting stronger and stronger, and it's great that we've got a representation here dealers uh, to all get together under one roof for a day and uh, play their trade.
1: Well said. Um, I agree. It's very exciting to see, because I don't consider myself particularly young and maybe in that middle generation. It's lovely to see younger people than me as well as older people sharing the same interest and being able to have a conversation over what they're passionate about. Was there any particular attendee that really (laughs) grabbed you today? Because when I was in Sydney, I saw a lot of mother-daughter pairs coming in and the mother showing her daughter how to use a fountain pen, um, fountain pens that she used to use in the past, and it was a cross-generational hobby, really.
15: I haven't noticed too much of that, but what I do notice is a lot of young uh, Asian people, and specifically Asian because they put a hell of a good emphasis On calligraphy and fine writing. And a pen is a very, very prized object in Japan that I know of, as is quality paper. And people are now in a situation to go for quality rather than just the fact that you're writing with anything. They want something, they want something that looks good, feels good in their hand, and writes well. And that's the main thing about it. I mean, look at this guy sitting over here. So, he's no old man. He acts like an old man, but he's no old man. (laughs)
1: Max is pointing to Shahan. Hello. How is everything? (laughs) We're all doing very well. Good. good. I love the mix of educational workshops and vendors who are not selling their pens but just there to display and educate and show people maybe who have never seen such rare and prized specimens of fountain pens in real life before. Um, There's a really good range of different types of people here and different types of activities not just buying do you put a lot of thought into having a good mix?
15: I think it's basically just evolved the pay it forward table which is fantastic Uh, they approached us they seem to be um, we found them at at pen shows across the world and we decided to uh, incorporate them we decided to incorporate a testing station and a general place for people to talk rather than straight vendors but as far as people are demonstrating I think there's really Pam Sutton with her pencils who's uh, always been at the pen shows and myself and the Melbourne pen group and I seem to be the only exhibitor from the Melbourne pen group today uh, no no he's trading <laughs> that's Shahan she's pointing to by the way uh, he didn't bring really too much for display it's, uh, his object is paid for his table and I hope he's trading well off of it but uh, I've got a place to show off a different form of my collection each year. And I do that, and sometimes we get other people from the pen group. Occasionally we don't, but it's sufficient for me to cover this table. And I'm happy to talk pens at any time.
1: Looking forward to next year's pen show as well. I'm certainly hoping to attend. But do you have any thoughts yet on maybe thing, new things to incorporate, changes that you might make, any hints of what is to come?
15: So you've assumed we're going to run it again, have you? I hope you are. I think that's probably going to be foregone. We'll, we'll total the money at the end of today and see how well we did. Um, I think it's been pretty successful. I'm just looking at all the calligraphy stuff up there. They haven't stopped for half a second. Pam Satnu, I said, also did a, 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 did a speech as well as demonstrating her pencils. She was up there for an hour and a quarter on what was scheduled as a 15-minute speech. So that speaks for itself. The people are interested, they're asking questions, and hopefully keeping our dealers supported and buying pens.
1: Finally, I have a question about your own collection. What is one particular prized object from your collection that you'd like to share with us, with our listeners today?
15: That is a terrible question to ask me.
1: <laughs> is it easier if I say five? Five.
15: It's like asking a bachelor which girlfriend he prefers. It's... <laughs> no, no. The, each, each pen, or most of them, have some kind of a history. There's been this much effort acquire, uh, you know, in, in acquiring them. There's been that much to actually find them. There's an interesting pen here that I'll tell you about very quickly. This red DNA pen. Uh, it's one of 83 that were sold. It was prepared for the London Pen Show in 2009 after the successful pen in the 2007. It's a Parker helical pen. It's called the DNA. They marketed a limited edition in black and this is an even more limited edition in red for the pen show. And the reason for the acquisition that this particular pen was difficult to acquire is that I had discussions with a lady in France who's Italian and assured me that the pen came with a box and papers and everything else, which is very, very important with a limited edition pen, especially one that's very, very specific. It's a beautiful polished walnut box. Um, It's got the papers, the certificate of authenticity, and all the provenance that goes with a pen like this. So I was sitting in a hotel in Paris. I wasn't prepared to entrust it. I had had to go over to Europe for some meetings, and sitting in a hotel in Paris and arranged with the husband who came to pick it. Uh, came to deliver it. And he arrives on his little putt-putt Vespa machine. And I'm looking for the box, and I'm looking for the box, and I said, well, show me the pen. And he reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out the pen. I said, that's very nice. Where are the box and papers? I says, no, we threw those out. I said, hang on a second. I bought a pen with box and papers. He says, you did? I said, and I showed him the correspondence I had with his wife. And says, she's using Google Translate... Uh, I don't think she understands she's Italian living in France trying to talk to you in English there's no box and papers I said I need my money back I got my money back and I put out a cry for help literally on the fountain pen network in those days and somebody kindly in America says what did you pay for it and I said this is what I paid he says that's really cheap I said yep he says but I'll match it if you want it and here it sits
1: what a wonderful story Thank you so much, Max.
15: Thank you for talking to me.
1: I'm here with Nick Gold, the lovely Nick Gold, friend of the podcast. How have you been doing?
15: All the
19: better for just seeing you and being on this podcast.
1: We've been trying to find a spare moment with you all day, but I see your table has been flooded with people. Have you had a break to have a drink and a bite to eat? Uh, Luckily, we organise
19: ourselves such that we get to book our lunch early and uh, somebody comes delightfully and brings it to you, which you then eat about an, about two hours later when you get a chance to do so.
1: <laughs> what are you displaying over here today? Um, mostly
19: Omas. Surprise, surprise. So I, I have this wonderful box which comes from a, a pen retailer, which is a display box for Omas, which is filled with about 70 Omas pens, plus uh, some Omas uh, special editions, The Moon 1969... The Millet, uh 1000, the Galileo, uh, I think they're the only... Oh, no, of course, oh, pardon me. The uh, celluloid set, which is uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Omas Paragons, all in different celluloids and all with different nibs.
1: Which is the prize item from your collection, or is there more than one?
19: What day is it today? Um, it means it changes that. But actually, you can tell Sharon that my current prize of my collection as he reaches to his pen case, is Sharon's Blue Lagoon. Because I love it and uh, I love that my constant begging has finally bore fruit.
1: What's the nib on that one again?
19: Uh, just a... Uh, actually, it's a good question. I don't know. I love it. It doesn't matter what nib it is. Um, I think it's a medium. Just a, a, an HF, I think. It is an H... It's an HF. It's yes, a hard fine.
1: What's been the most memorable interaction that you've had with um, another vendor or a attendee from the show today.
19: Actually, you no. Know, the bit that I've liked the most was one of our volunteers came uh, just moments ago to uh, say he was leaving because he was exhausted. No, Quentin. Uh, and he said, he thanked me for placing him on our pen station, which is the the table where where people can just go and talk. And he said he really felt like he was in the right community because people were so engaged and uh, enjoying it and grateful for the opportunity to talk about their pens. I think we all love to talk about our pens. And as I said the last time you did an interview here, pen people are good people.
1: Great people, I think. (laughs) I, I saw Quentin at the beginning of the day. He was at the pay it forward table, I think, for most of the day. And I don't think he had a moment's rest, same as you.
19: Same as me, that's right. And the Pay It Forward table has been fantastic. Uh, great international movement, great idea. You had it at Sydney. People keep saying, "Yeah, uh, what do I have to pay for this? And you say, no, no, it's free. And he said, yeah, okay, that's great, but how much? No, 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 just take it away, enjoy it and use it. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a good example of the Penn community working.
1: Take it with our blessing.
19: Take it with our blessing. That's it. No, it's been good.
1: Now that you've been to our first Sydney Pen Show in the early days, as it were, what would you say would be a defining feature of the Melbourne Pen Show that sets it apart from other Pen Shows? Firstly, I'd say I'm
19: really pleased they're different, and they really are different, which means you have to go to both. Anybody who's listening, you have to go to both. Um, The Sydney one, and and, okay, it only had one. Uh, The Sydney one, more modern pens. Um, The venue is awesome. And the people are also awesome. So, But more modern pens, it's a slightly smaller space, so a different feel. I'd say a younger crowd. Uh, we're working on that for Melbourne to, to get more of a younger crowd. Melbourne, uh, still, there's your modern pens, but there's a lot more vintage here. Uh, and you can probably buy a lot more uh, at, at Melbourne than you could at Sydney last time.
1: I think there's a lot of variety because you have that vintage component that's as right. well.
19: I think that's right. And, uh, but also, the Sydney, Sydney had that awesome, awesome pilot uh, display at which I was in awe. Although we had a good, a good uh, representation of pilot here uh, today too. So, yeah, they, they are very different shows, um, but both fabulous.
1: I look forward to seeing how they both evolve and hopefully not converge, but each develop their strengths a little bit more in the future.
19: Yeah, I'd I'd agree. I'd agree. I think there's definitely a place for both of them. Probably in Australia, not more than the two. So get out of the way, Perth and uh, Adelaide, sorry.
1: (laughs) We were talking earlier about how we were hoping that Brisbane would one day have its own show and then we could make a a laugh around the country. Yeah, that wouldn't be bad.
19: And the the weather, I'd have to say, would be a little warmer than it is here. Um well, but but the sun came
1: out the it, sun came out later in the day it
19: was 30 degrees last weekend it's like 16 this weekend it's bizarre but it's Melbourne no look otherwise uh, I think the shows both have a really good place in um, Pendham
1: and any last words to someone who's in Melbourne or somewhere else in Australia who didn't come to the show today but what would be your pitch to make them come next year
19: I would never want to make you come somewhere, but I would encourage you to get involved in your local pen groups, your pen posses, whatever they may be. Follow FP uh, Oceania and FP uh, Australia on Facebook pages. Get interested, get involved, and you will find it inevitable that you will want to go to the shows.
1: Thank you so much, Nicholas.
19: You're welcome, Diane.
1: There you have it, listeners. I hope you enjoyed those interviews with attendees and vendors from the Melbourne Pen Show. Thank you so much to Mel and Ali for helping me produce this podcast and spending their day walking around with their iPhones out, talking to strangers and not so many strangers, because I was so amazed that you knew everyone. I shouldn't be because I I know you guys are really, really involved with the pen group here. Do you want to help round out this episode with our usual recommendation section? I'd love to. My recommendation is the uh, Australian
0: company Frank Green. They make uh, coffee cups and water bottles that are leak-proof, totally leak-proof. You can fill it with coffee, throw it in your bag, fill it with water, throw it in your bag, and they do not leak. They've got the cutest Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse limited editions out at the minute. Perfect for any eco warriors in your family. Um, it even counts the amount of litres that you've drunk in a day with your smartphone. So that is my recommendation.
1: Excellent. How about you, Ali?
2: Mine's not nearly so eco friendly, um, although I suppose it could be. Uh, I'm going to recommend a book series by Ben Aranovich, and they're the PC Grant Books. D- oh, who- was Yes, Rivers of London series, and the latest one just came out last week called Lies Sleeping, and I'm about a quarter of the way into it, and it can be eco-friendly if you read it on a Kindle like I do, um, but they're just amazing, and I saw it described as if Harry Potter had grown up and become a police officer, so, and that's pretty much what it is, There's, it's um, It's magic exists, but it is secret. And there is a branch of the Metropolitan Police in London to deal with what they call all the weird bollocks. So that's my recommendation, Lies Sleeping, by Ben Aronovich, who used to write for Doctor Who. And so there are several Doctor Who references in there as Easter eggs for the fans.
1: Excellent. I'm going to recommend a movie, actually. I don't know if either of you are horror fans. Maybe? Maybe. Um, These last couple of years there's been a lot of low-key period horror that have been gaining traction. Movies like The Apostle I think which came out on Netflix this year but I'm going to recommend something that I think fits in with that genre but is a lot more fun. It's from at least a decade ago. It's by a female director called Antonia Bird and it's a movie called Ravenous which stars All your favourite actors like Guy Pearce and that guy from Star Trek, no, from um, Stargate Universe, Stargate, oh gosh, what's his name? The Scottish actor. I'm sorry, I'm I'm having a blackout. Um, But definitely Guy Pearce is in it and all these characters actors that you'll probably know but whose name just you can't quite remember but are on the tip of your tongue. It's about a bunch of um, soldiers, I think, on the American frontier in between some sort of a war. It's very, very funny, very gory, and it's got this kick-ass soundtrack by Damon Alvin and Michael Neiman, who is a classical composer who did uh, movies like The Piano and works with Peter Greenway. So if you can imagine this classical composer and a rock star, the sort of score that they would come up with, the movie is like that, this blend of new and old really incredible action sequences but this sort of grubby period movie at the same time it's so much fun if you enjoy horror if you enjoy period if you enjoy black comedy go and check it out ravenous by antonia bird
2: fantastic thanks for the rec.
1: so that was our melbourne pen show episode 2018 Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at The Nib Section and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on The Nib Section Facebook page or at The Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. Our producers this episode were Lester Dawes, Mel Sanders and Dina Dye. Recording and editing was done by Mel Sanders, Alastair Dawes and Diana Dye. Special thanks to everyone who spoke to us at the Melbourne Pen Show 2018. The music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thank you all for listening. <laughs> Top two reasons why Melbourne is better than Sydney.
2: Food and
13: food.
1: I was watching Ladies in Black on the plane over, and there was a joke in there about how Melbourne has best coffee and cake, but they need it because they don't have much else.
2: (laughs) That's absolutely true. No, that's totally true. And if you go back 20 years, it's even more true, because at least now we've built nice restaurants on the river. 20 years ago, the river was where you put all your industrial estates. Yeah, it's where you dump the bodies from the gangland disputes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the other thing that we've got that you don't is gangland. we got the gangland killings. You know, That's serious. That's that's where you can say, oh yeah, I have coffee at the same place as Mick Gatto, and I have coffee with the you know at the same place that Chopper Reed. You know, that's 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 what's great about Melbourne. They hardly ever kill anyone that's not one of themselves, so, you know, it's very rare. Well, a couple of coppers, but, you know, not that many, and they were on the take, so, you know.
1: (laughs) Mel, what's so great about Melbourne? Four
0: seasons in one day. Um, You never know what you're going to get. Avocado lattes are pretty
1: good. Where can I get an avocado latte? I've never had one.
0: I would say Hosier Lane, or Hardware Lane in the city. Um, what else about Melbourne? Sports scene. I'm a big sports fan, so the cricket, the footy. Why is the Melbourne show better than the Sydney show? The Melbourne Penn show or the Mel- <laughs> <laughs> The Melbourne Penn show. I'm not going to say it's any better. I'm just going to say they're different. I'm not buying into this us and them. We're all in this community together, and I think <laughs> I think we all just need to stop with the division and come together. Very diplomatic.
4: You said that. It's priceless. <laughs>